0: This is Daniel Figel and you're listening to the AI and Business podcast, and this week is going to be a little bit different. Some of you might remember back in March, we had a series called Achieving AI ROI. We had some excellent guests on that program. We had the head of the AI Center of Excellence for Intel. We had the head of AI at uh, Munich Reinsurance. We had a lot of great names who contributed some excellent insights, all focused on AI ROI. We had five episodes in that series from some fantastically insightful folks, and we're doing exactly the same thing except focusing on a new topic, and that topic is AI strategy. How do we build an enterprise-wide AI strategy? How do we align our efforts to maximize our long-term ROI and still see the immediate returns that we're looking for as a company? There's a lot of people we could have started this series with, but I'm glad that we're starting the series with the expert that we're bringing on right now. David Carmona is the general manager for artificial intelligence for Microsoft, obviously one of the best known technology firms in the world. And David does something to kick off this series that I appreciate. He talks about how Microsoft didn't get this right when they first started getting into AI strategy. And obviously, newsflash for everybody listening in, almost nobody gets AI strategy right the first time. But David talks about when Microsoft was making their early moves into AI, how did they go about it? And then what did they learn from that approach? And as it turns out, educating leadership not turning everybody into a Python programmer, but turning everyone into someone who can have strong conceptual ideas about AI. That education element became a critical underpinning for how Microsoft turned things around and built a strategy that can really inform where they're going as a company. David was there up close and personal, again, as the general manager for AI at the company. He certainly got to see a lot of cool things, as well as be able to see what some of Microsoft's clients are doing right or not right when it comes to AI strategy. But really, this inside strategy scoop from the Microsoft perspective, I think it's fantastic. And I think that many companies are going to be able to bypass some of these early errors if they take David's insights to heart. At the end of this episode, I'm going to be giving you a preview of some of the other speakers we have coming up. So stay tuned. I'll also talk a little bit more about Emerge Plus, where we have more resources on AI strategy and ROI. But without further ado, I want to welcome back David Carmona. It's been about a year and a half, maybe two years since we had him on the program. And uh, for this particular topic, I couldn't think of anybody better. So... So without further ado, here we go. This is David Carmona of Microsoft here on the AI and Business Podcast. Mr. David Carmona, glad to have you back on the program.
1: Yeah. What a pleasure for me to be back here. Yep. Looking forward to it. Thank I you.
0: been following you since we had our first conversations, and I knew that this would be a topic you would have a lot to say about. It's around building AI strategy is this the whole focus of this series. And I know you have a bit of a counterintuitive answer to when people come to you with the question of, how do I build an AI strategy? How do you respond to that?
1: Yes, because I usually joke a little bit about that because I, I, I usually say just to be a little bit controversial too, is that hey, if you're asking that question, maybe you're doing it wrong because the strategy is not something that you build. It's not something that you get like in a room or in a cave and, yeah. and try to build a strategy. Uh, you need to provide, as a leader, you need to provide the framework to really enable and empower others yeah. uh, across your organization to build a strategy, right? It's not as easy as just writing in a in a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a philosophy assignment or uh, something you can just abstractly construct. So doing it right is obviously very collaborative. And this is a real commonality among companies that kind of get it. When you think about empowering others and not doing it in a cave, doing it in the opposite of a cave, what is the opposite of a cave? What's the most informed kind of context rich way to begin putting a strategy together?
1: I think one of the tricks that, and, and we learned it actually the, the hard way in, in Microsoft, so I can even tell you one of the, it's, it's, a, it's a very old story in Microsoft when we were starting with AI in a particular department in finance, but I keep using that example because I think it illustrates very well when you do this right where you can end, right? So the way that we started in Microsoft Finance, so in our finance department, yeah. it was one of the first departments embracing AI in, in Microsoft in a like real practical practical way yep. uh, out of the research organization. Uh, they, they actually went through that process, right? So they tried to create that strategy like in a room with the leaders. And uh, that didn't go well. And actually, we have Amy Hood, our CFO, telling that story. If you want to go deeper in the the website, but it's it's super interesting to see her telling that story because everything looked amazing, right? The the strategy looked beautiful. It was a beautiful framework. But then when they tried to cascade down to the organization, uh, you had a lot of friction. Because at the end of the day, if this is something that you don't get a strong, like bottom-up approach Mm -hmm. in your organization, it's not going to be successful. So they completely redid the whole process. And in in their case, what they did was, okay, let's start from scratch. Let's do it the other way around, bottom-up, right? So let's start with a training that uh, to bring AI to all the employees in this department, in this organization in Microsoft. So they did that. They actually deployed a full training to people who are not data scientists or developers. They were, in most cases, financial controllers. And in in that case, once they have the possibilities, once they understand the possibilities of AI, let's run a process where we get the organization coming up with that strategy, at least with the use cases. And then together between the business and the technology, you get those two together and we do that exploration of the use cases, and we apply them to the to the business. That way, you solve two problems, right? First, you can explore much better interesting use cases for the organizations, but then the second part is that you can implement it very easily, right? Because you have the full support of the entire organization when we are implementing that strategy.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we talk about frequently that if you're going to be an AI catalyst you're ultimately an educator because without AI fluency it's just confusing it's just something that we want to push back on it's it's like IT but it has way more variables that are ridiculous compared to IT and uh we just you know and so without again buy-in like you mentioned but also knowledge of what it is we can't get anywhere i think a lot of companies wouldn't take the time to you know we've had a lot of great firms on the on the program and i can't remember how many have done this to step back and say whoa before we build a strategy we should build and take people through a course. like that's a, real, that's a real hurdle. Of course, you guys have a lot of education at this point, but maybe back then you didn't. Did they have to build that whole program from scratch and then level everybody up and then pull it all together and build a strategy once everybody was leveled up? What were the steps after that?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a great question because at that time, uh, one of the things that we identified very quickly, right? so this was, again, like seven years ago, uh, is, is that there were really many... Uh, many interesting assets to get good training on the technologies behind AI. So, of course, you have so many machine learning uh, courses already. That one is, it was very well covered from the market. But the problem here is that you are not training data scientists. So this is not something that you you don't need your financial controllers like in this example to to be machine learning developers. That's not the calling here. So you need a different training. And yeah. that's the the big requirement or the big need that we identified in the market. Actually we created as part of that the training that we deliver in, in this department and then in Microsoft, we actually have it externally available and it's called AI business school. So it's not the technology, it's the business side, the possibilities of AI and the implication of the business what we think that there's a big gap there Uh, and it's super important that there's an internal readiness program in in every company.
0: Yeah. I mean, without fluency, getting bottom-up support is not really very supportive if they don't know what we're doing in the first place. Uh, Even at, like you said, not a technical level, but a conceptual level. What can this tech do? Where can it find value? How does it really work so we know what's realistic, what's not? Without a baseline there, really tough to be contributive. So once we've got that going on, once we've, and you guys really, you know, you made the classic error, and then you went about it in the best way you possibly could, and now you've open sourced that education. Were the steps from there sort of having a bigger room of who was there for strategy? Was the process to kind of spin off a number of subgroups and then feed into a central eventual strategy planner? Or what did it look like to kind of roll it forward once you realized you needed both top down and bottom up at the same time?
1: I love that question. I love that question because we've been back and forth on that one. So uh, it's interesting to see the journey here because I I do believe that there's a maturity aspect that you need to include in here, right? So in our case, for example, in Microsoft, I've seen the same thing in many, many companies that when you are early on your maturity, you tend to centralize AI, right? So you are gonna create a centralized team where you put your energy and the expertise in that team that is supporting that, those business functions, right? The problem of that approach is that it's very difficult to scale. So, and it's much more difficult also to connect it to the team. Yeah. So as, as companies mature, and that's something that happened to us as well, we tend to decentralize that function and put it in every uh, business function, right? So. Therefore, that doesn't mean that we are discontinuing the like the AI centralized thing. We still have a strong centralized AI team, but they tend to focus on something that we call the AI as a platform concept. Hmm. So instead of being a bottleneck where you throw all the projects to it, instead of that, what you do is to build a function in your company that is supporting the business units for them to embrace AI and is Culturally, that has a big impact, not only on the business units, but also on your technical unit, on the AI team, right? They, they need to switch uh, a little bit here to think more about how they can enable that function in all the uh, organizations uh, instead of just doing everything by themselves.
0: Yeah, this is really interesting to hear because obviously, you know, Microsoft's a giant organization, and but you guys, you know, you're earlier than most folks, but you've had to learn how this stuff is going to make its way into the enterprise. None of it has been self-evident. There's no playbook yet, right? So, But I, I would say that you're generally right. we got a central team that kind of does AI. It's a little bit abstract for a while. Then kind of like the internet, AI just becomes how we operate. There, There isn't some part of Microsoft where they're like, what's the web? It's like, well, no, of course, everybody, you know, all, all these units make web accessible tools and have web accessible support. And it just becomes part of what we're doing. But there's a, a central team that kind of aims to enable, as you'd mentioned, From there, did strategy for you guys begin as the strategy for these different individual supported business units like finance, for example, Microsoft finance or, or Microsoft office? Or did, did it begin as strategies there? Or was there some way of kind of pulling together Microsoft's general direction with AI? How was the order after you guys kind of matured? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, the the same thing, this hybrid approach to the organization also applies to the strategy. So, we we do believe that the, the right approach is to have a hybrid strategy as well, meaning you want some centralized function in your company to set the general. Like like uh, goals and, and and lines for for your all app AI strategy and that's still that's part of the centralized uh, team that we have is called TNR Technology and Research in Microsoft and we work in that team we work on the big bets like for example AI at a scale or responsible AI or autonomous intelligence so the big bets on the company uh, longer term but then at the same time you want to complement that with some distributed strategy that is much more agile and much more connected to the business. So they are continuously at the end of the day, who's better than Microsoft 365 to know what exactly is needed for their customers, right? Yeah. So that Decentralization, I think the, the right balance on that decentralization versus centralization, I think is the, the tricky part in here that depends on your maturity, on the type of uh, organization that you have.
0: This is really, really important to touch on. It touches on a number of episodes where people have kind of predicted, okay, how is AI going to show up? It's, is it going to show up in a center of excellence? Is it going to, and you guys are clearly saying there's this tension top-down, bottom-up for multiple hmm. elements. There's attention for individual strategies, there's attention for the whole company. And I think it's important for people to hear that actually for strategy to get built, there's always this middle ground. So that's useful unto itself. Obviously, a strategy, once it does come together within a department or whatever, we've got maybe a set of initiatives, kind of transformation aspirations, maybe you know bigger picture goals. Of course, that stuff is supported by use cases. And hopefully everybody listening to this show is not doing AI for its own sake. They're doing AI because it supports strategic initiatives, because it's the right tool for the job. But even then, we've got to be able to find and pick the right projects, and then we've got to be able to prioritize them. And I know at Microsoft, you guys have kind of a process for both of those. I'd love to get your thoughts on how you guys get that done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So A couple of things that I think are important when you are are doing that prioritization. And uh, the way that uh, just maybe taking a step back, because I think it's it's, it's important for the vocabulary that we use in Microsoft. So we use a framework or an adaptation of of a framework coming from McKinsey, which is called the Horizon Framework. So, what the Horizon, and we actually apply that framework to AI as well. The Horizon Framework is, is basically a way for you to categorize, to classify your investments in your company in three horizons. Horizon one is about existing products. So how do you make existing products in existing categories better? So for example, what are you adding to, in in the case of Microsoft, what are we adding to uh, Windows or Office or Azure uh, as of today to make those products better? Horizon two, and horizon one is usually shorter term, right? So we're talking two to three years. Uh, Horizon two are those that are still for categories that you are part of. So you have an existing presence on a business category, in our case, the cloud, right? So uh, Horizon 2 is about creating new investments, but aligned with existing categories. So think of that as, for example, new products in existing categories, like in our case, Viva, uh, uh, which is a new product uh, on on an existing category. Then you have Horizon 3, which are these longer term, in some cases, even curiosity-driven, so not aligned with a particular product. Mm. And they are looking more at, opening new categories for the business so how do you expand your existing footprint into new into new categories this framework actually applies very well with ai because ai we see it across those three horizons so ai can make your existing products better it can open the door for new offerings and new products on existing categories, and it can open like dramatically new categories for for your company, right? So once you understand that, then what you have to do, and we also encourage our customers to do is to map their investments or their use cases, what they are evaluating in this framework, and right? we call that a value. So agile value modeling. So it's all about modeling the value of those use cases, right? And you can use a number of a number of metrics so that ensure that we can have another podcast yes on that. Right? So how do we make sure? <laughs> An AI project. I won't get in there, but that's a fascinating <laughs> problem and challenge for companies. But you want to classify in this horizon framework what are your investments and the size of each investment, right? And then the important thing here, so the two things that, that we encourage and that we try to do in Microsoft as well is the first one you want to have a balance approach here. So if after you map your use cases, you only see use cases in one of the horizons, imagine that you have Everything in horizon three so long term you may be missing things in the short term so you may be missing some competitive advantage that you you may be missing from AI for your existing products that can put you in jeopardy with your with your competitors right but the other way too so you have everything on horizon one then you may be missing a Broader transformation that could happen in your industry that can make you relevant in the future. So having a balanced uh, portfolio in there super important. But the other thing that uh, we always encourage, or we always try to do in Microsoft, is to connect the dots in that in that portfolio. Uh, so the point in here is that every investment that you have in Horizon Two and Three, make sure that it's connected with a Horizon One investment and the other way around. So whatever you're doing in the short term. Let's make sure that that is connected with a broader vision. Why? Because it's very difficult to build a big vision, long-term vision, if you don't provide like interim steps. Yeah. Super tricky to defend that internally in the in the company, right? So you need like early wins and early steps to get there, uh, and the other way around, right? So you you want to make sure that whatever you're doing today, it is aligned with the broader vision that you have in the in the future, right? The, the, the example that I use a little bit uh, joking with with this one because it's it's very clear is SpaceX, so not even Microsoft. So when you look at SpaceX, their Horizon 3 mission is all about getting to Mars, right? So colonizing Mars, clearly Horizon 3, super clear. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not exactly.
1: Able, yeah. like exactly, But the, the magic, I think, in my opinion, of SpaceX is how they were able to map that into steps they can, they, that they can monetize today, like the vertical landing of their rockets. Right. That's that's the perfect example. Something that you need to fulfill that vision in the future, but you are able to monetize today. So that's that's kind of the the strategy or the prioritization that we follow in Microsoft.
0: Yeah. And and I think, you know, we always advocate for this idea of kind of making sure you have strategic anchors for your AI projects, uh, tacking things on as band-aids without thinking about the layers of capability that you're building is really untenable in the long term. And when you map out, I'm imagining these horizons and people I imagine who are listening might be Googling, you know, McKinsey's horizon framework or whatever, but we've got this one, two, and three uh, horizons. I might imagine as a company, I would almost think about them in some cases, as progressive. In other words, maybe I come up with a Horizon Two idea, and I look at all my Horizon One ideas, and there's nothing there to support it. But I might say, well, okay. In order for us to have that level of supply chain efficiency, what would be the interim project? And so, should people think about hitting those Horizon Two and Three targets with capability and use cases in the in the near term to be a bit more SpaceX like?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. That, that's okay. exactly, and and I would add something, something, something more. And that's something that you have to do in an iterative way. So you have the, this is why it is called agile value modeling, right? So the agile is super important in there. This is not something that you're going to come up again, like in a, in a week that, and then mapping that out for the next five years is something that you have to continuously. Uh, update right. So there are new strategies, there are new bets, there are new use cases, there are new requirements in the market that are gonna uh, bring you to that whiteboard again, and you will need to do that exercise continuously.
0: Yeah, yeah, and to to think about that as an ongoing discipline as opposed to you know a one-time exercise. Like you said, you can't do this in a cave. This has to be a living, growing thing. So in terms of closing insights here for the listeners on this episode. It seems like we can organize the panoply of AI ideas that we have via this Horizon model to think about it in that way. We can look at our Horizon 2.3s and maybe we can think about how do we bolster and build to them with Horizon 1. That might even give us more project ideas. Is there anything here around – and then, of course, maybe we can prioritize projects that – have a strong ROI now, but also support a very clear and positive transformation in the future, not things that are just dead ends in a dark corner. Yeah. So this is some rules of thumb. Any other things you wanted people to take away in terms of prioritization based on this idea?
1: Yeah, I think that the other one that I would bring as a summary is you do that whole process between business and technology. So that is critical, right? So you need to have the business and technology collaborating in that process. And with that bottom-up, top-down approach that we were discussing before, that is going to be absolutely critical to end with, uh, with all the possibilities of the potential use cases and then to prioritize them correctly.
0: Cool. Okay. Some. Lessons learned in the School of Hard Knocks. I love that you guys, you actually kind of admitted the, all the, the bumbling things that kind of went on to make things work in the, in the finance space for you guys. I imagine some folks might be able to shortcut some of those experiences by being able to apply some of these ideas that you've shared with us today. David, that's all we have for time on this episode, but thank you so much for joining us again on the show.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business podcast. This is episode one of five when it comes to AI strategy. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're covering AI strategy this week. We've got folks from a partner at PwC, Brett Greenstein, who's our guest tomorrow, all the way to the head of AI at one of the world's biggest telecommunications companies, who you're going to have to wait for a little later in the series, and everything in between. On Wednesday, we're going to continue our AI is Here series with Samba Nova. Some of you have been listening in for that Wednesday series. That's going to continue, so that will be our little skip day. But today, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all focused on building a successful AI strategy. Our guest for tomorrow is Brett Greenstein. Again, he is a partner at PwC. Brett's been on the program in the past. He's worked with many of the largest services companies in the world on data and AI strategy. And he talks about many of the pitfalls you do not wanna fall into. Lots of insights for tomorrow, make sure to stay tuned. I mentioned before at the top of this episode uh, about Emerge Plus. Many of you who are tuned in right now are already Emerge Plus members. But if you are not, you should know about it. Emerge Plus is our platform where we share a full library of all of our AI use cases in a simple, searchable interface, including all of our AI white papers, as well as our full list of AI best practice guides. So, if you're interested in infographics and kind of actionable guides for being able to measure the ROI of AI, for building AI strategies, for developing a roadmap to achieve that strategy in the near term, then you can learn more at Emerge Plus. That's E-M-E-R-J dot com slash P1. Emerge Plus. Plus members get access to all those infographics as well as again our full library of use cases and trends if you've benefited from the show it certainly helps to support the show and so i appreciate it but it's also a great way to put these ideas in practice people who are emerge plus members tend to be folks that are not only listening to these ideas, but they're driving them into their business or they're using them to serve their clients. We have a lot of great consultants from some of the biggest, most successful consulting companies in the world who are Emerge Plus members and have been for two years or more. So again, you can learn more at emerj.com slash p1. That's all for this episode. Again, big thank you to David. Thank you to you, our listener, and make sure to stay tuned for tomorrow as we continue this series on AI strategy. You're on the AI and Business Podcast.